calling the language therapy clinic. For English, press 1. To join America the Bilingual, keep listening. I was born in the Philippines. Um, we're seven of us, three brothers and four sisters. My dad is a carpenter. He learned a trade from his brothers, older brothers, because his parents, mom and dad, died when he was six years old. At the time, we didn't really realize that we are poor because we have our own chicken, we have our own garden. And so I remember growing up, we would, a bunch of kids in the neighborhood would run around playing hide and seek. And here comes the Mormons with their white shirt and black pants and their bag coming and somebody screamed Mormons are coming and we will all go run inside the house and turn off the light close the door close the window and I said to myself one day when I grow up I think I was like seven years old one day when I grow up I'm gonna come I'm gonna talk to that guy and I'm gonna tell him take me to America and I'll do whatever you want me to do just take me to America Welcome to America the Bilingual, a podcast for Americans like me who are learning their next language or would like to start. I'm Steve Levine. We've been listening to Jeannie Delaguero Forrest. I asked her to tell me her language biography, as I call it, and she began with her childhood. My dream was always coming to America because I, I want to have a better life. But the problem was growing up, we have no television. So I didn't know what America is. There's 360 dialects in the Philippines. So I speak Ilongo. That's our main dialect. But for us to understand each other, we have one major language, which is Tagalog, and it's also called Filipino. But I understand some of other, maybe two other dialects. But growing up, uh, our second language is supposed to be English. In her hometown of Bacolod, classes were taught in Ilongo, except for English. I remember my English teacher, we are not allowed to speak our language but English when we're in the English class, because we have this little container that if we speak Ilongo, we're gonna have to pay 25 cents. <laughs> but we were embarrassed to speak you know, English, because we might say the wrong thing. It was during high school when Jeannie concluded her prospects would be better in the city. I was 16 years old when I ran away from home. <laughs> My father didn't want me to go because there's so many bad things happen to young girls in Manila. But he went to work. My mother went to the market and I got a plastic bag and put whatever clothes I have. But I got a job as a maid in Manila. Jeannie worked six days a week, cooking, cleaning, and babysitting for 180 pesos, or about $20, per month. It was the hardest work she ever did, she told me, but she stuck it out for a year and a half. She was given a room and one other important benefit. That's how I learned the Tagalog. That's how I learned. When I went there, I didn't really speak the Tagalog, the Filipino. She heard through a girlfriend that a new restaurant was hiring. So with her basic Tagalog, Jeannie went to apply. So he said, sorry, but you don't qualify because you don't have experience and 
you don't really sp speak the language. So he was walking out the door. I tapped him. I said, sir, sir, sir. I said, I know I didn't have any experience, but I want to do. I said, I'm going to work for you for two weeks without pay to show you that I could learn fast. That got her hired. And true to her word, Jeannie learned fast. I started as a bus girl, a waitress, and then I became a bartender and I became a manager. All the time, Jeannie was improving her Tagalog and her English and waiting for her chance to come to America. Finally, she gets it, sort of. Um, it's a, a funny story, actually. So I'll backtrack a little bit to how my, my mother got to Belize. That's Jeannie's daughter, Amber. She was notoriously not the best student in geography. When I was in high school, social studies or geography, I don't like to read. So I have no idea. So she and her sisters and some of her Filipino friends had uh, heard Belize Central America. And the word that they stuck to, uh, or they clung to rather, was America. America. Central America. So we thought we were coming to uh, USA America. So when, when the plane was about to land, all we see is this small building and on the rooftop people are waving and around it is nothing but um, sugarcane fields. And we're thinking high rises building, you know, America. So we, we thought we were going to America, USA. So we ended up, one of my girlfriends cried so bad. She wants to go home right away. But now I like, I like reading. I like geography. <laughs> but in Belize, Jeannie would meet someone who would change her life. That's where I met Amber's dad <coughs> in Belize. George Forrest was an American vacationing in Belize. He was divorced and had grown children. He and Jeannie talked. She offered, next time he came to Belize, to show him around the hotel on the island where she worked. He went home and they became pen pals. But we were writing, we, we met in January of 1990 and he was writing me. At the time, there's no computer. So he would write me, I would get a letter from him but we were just friends. But then when he came back and I toured him around the island, we went out for dinner and the next day he proposed. George and Jeannie got married and he took her to America, USA. They named their first and only child, Amber. When Amber was 14, she went for the first time to the Philippines. Her mother took her and her younger cousin to visit family. Here's Jeannie. Oh my God, <laughs> it was so much fun. That was the first time she went. I didn't tell, uh, her cousin came with us. The cousin was two years younger. So I made them stay in the house that I grew up with. So there's no uh, shower. So it's a bucket of cold water and you have to take, uh, you know, water pour on your head. And we stayed there for two days. Jeannie wanted Amber and her cousin to experience what her childhood was like with no air conditioning and sleeping on cots. She was pleased that neither of them complained. Then she took them to a nice hotel. I asked Amber about the trip. She remembers the first two days in her mother's old house and then going to the fancy hotel. But what she remembers most is not being able to converse with her family, especially her great-grandfather, who served alongside the Americans in World War II. It was sad. It did feel like I 
was missing missing a part of me, a part of my my history. I just wanted to ask him about life in the Philippines um, when he was younger and um, his his war stories. I was able to say, you know, how are you? Como esta na? Um, I, I love you, mahal kita. Um, I've missed you, miss nakita. Um, but that that was really that was as far as the conversation could go. Once I exhausted all of the the Tagalog, I knew sitting kind of and sitting and staring kind of blankly at one another, and just the open windows and open uh, open layout essentially. And I just remember the breeze uh, flowing through. Um, and I, I guess that was sort of what filled those uh, long, awkward silences. Historically, immigrants to America cloaked off their heritage languages from their children to shield them from the difficulties they had faced with imperfect English. They feared that speaking Italian or Polish or Yiddish at home would slow their children's English skills. Professors, doctors, and teachers told them as much. Today, most parents know better, but even so, it's hard to pass on a heritage language while swimming in an ocean of English. Uh, when she was little, I tried to s talk to her in Tagalog, which is the main Filipino language. And she was learning. But then I stopped because I got scared that she might not learn the English. In later years, Jeannie was told by her pediatrician that babies can learn two languages at the same time with no problems. But by then, the English habit had been set. It would have been nice if Amber was able to speak my language. Amber may not have learned Tagalog from her mother, but she learned something about hard work. After graduating from the University of Florida on a scholarship, Amber got a job with one of the nation's top PR firms and today works in Austin for a global technology company. I asked her about her parents' work ethic. Go the extra mile. It's just something I saw in them and it just naturally became a part of who I was and, and that's Something I pride myself on is how hard I work. It's something I was very proud of my, my parents for, one of the many great qualities about them. Jeannie sells Mary Kay Cosmetics. To earn some extra money for the trip to the Philippines she plans to take in the fall with Amber, she is taking care of an elderly woman, spending Sunday and Monday nights as part of a 24-hour care team. Jeannie is also dedicating herself to learning Spanish. I speak a little bit of Spanish, but I wish I speak more because, you know, it's a really, really important language to have. But I'm thinking actually of, of doing that. I'm actually thinking, forcing myself to, to learn Spanish for business is good, <laughs> to help business, you know. Jeannie told me she has another motive for studying Spanish. She knows Amber is rededicating herself to Tagalog and thinks if she sees her mother making progress with Spanish, Jeannie thinks it might inspire her. If I watch the Spanish television and I'm learning fast, then it will help her motivate. I'll tell her, honey, it's really, really working. I'm learning fast. 
I think it's going to help her motivate to learn. Sometimes we miss out on our mother tongue, but if we get our mother's values, her way of succeeding in the world, might that be as valuable? I share with Amber her mother's plan to inspire her Tagalog through her own dedication to Spanish. She's absolutely right. I think if we can be in this together, learning our, our respective languages, that would really help. It goes back to you know, me looking up to my, my mother and how hardworking she is, and that's just something that, that, that was natural for me. Um, I think if I see her truly dedicate herself to learning Spanish, that'll be a great motivator for, for me as well. Most times our mother tongue is passed to us effortlessly, other times not at all. And in some rare cases, through a fusion of love and effort, we reclaim it for ourselves and for our families. For Mother's Day, Amber prepared a little gift for her mom. I asked if we could listen in when she delivers it. Yes, of course, of course. Let me just make sure I have it. <clears throat> okay. Maligayang bati sa araw ng mga ina, mahal kita. And that means, Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you. A shout-out to America's language teachers, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. I love their acronym, ACFL. And its Lead with Languages campaign encourages bilingualism for all. This episode was written by me, Steve Levine, and our producer, Fernando Hernandez, who also does sound design and mixing. Our editorial consultants are Maya Thomas and Mim Harrison, research assistants from Stanford undergraduate Alma Flores Perez. Graphic arts are created by Carlos Plaza Design Studio. Music in this episode by Kevin McLeod, Andy G. Cohen, Nuno Aldea Aida, and Captive Portal. All thanks to the Free Music Archive, directed by WFMU. Additional music, courtesy of Francisco Panilla. For more information about this episode, visit americathebilingual.com. We hope you like this podcast. If so, please let your friends know. It's the best way to spread the bilingual word. Thanks for listening. For America the Bilingual, this is Steve Levine. Thank you.